Welcome back for another episode of the Haunted Historian Podcast. This week's episode takes a small break from the paranormal adventures of the Haunted Historian team and instead features a guest that I believe many of you are very familiar with, either from his investigative role on A&E's Ghost Hunters, through his recent book, Elements of a Haunting, or his upcoming new series, Haunted Discoveries. If none of that was enough to give it away, we have Brandon Alvis joining us today and he's going to be sharing his take on the future of the paranormal field, what got him involved, and the never-before-explored locations and concept that inspired the creation of his new show and latest project. We hope you enjoy. Brandon Alvis, you are a pretty considerably large name in the paranormal field, not just here in the United States, but globally even. A lot for your role in A&E's Ghost Hunters, for the new uh, best-selling book you had come out that was rated in the top of the paranormal spiritual section there on Amazon, and for some of your new ventures with some new series and projects that you have going on now. Uh, that being said, what a lot of people are curious for individuals of your stature is kind of hearing their coming to stories, how they got involved in the paranormal and how they got to this point now. And we wanted to bring you on because we were hoping that you might be able to share some of your background, that individuals might be able to glean insight, not just to know you better, but to have maybe shared experiences and see what they can do with their own encounters they're having in their lives. The simplest question to start off is, you know, how did you get involved in paranormal investigations? You know, my, my journey and my interest in the paranormal began at a very young age. Uh, in 1995, I lost my oldest brother to cancer. And in 2004, I lost another brother to suicide. So that kind of sent me on my journey into the unexplained. Never really had a paranormal experience per se. It was more of just having to learn and cope with death at a very young age. And uh, for many years, I kind of looked at paranormal investigation as a form of grief therapy in a way. I read everything I possibly could get my hands on about ghosts and hauntings and the paranormal, everything from psychic phenomena to scientific investigation, spiritualism, the occult, everything, before I actually ever stepped foot out in the field and founded the American Paranormal Research Association. Um, I reached out to medical doctors, scientists, uh, engineers, people that could help me remain grounded in not only logic, but scientific principle. And for me, it's always been about trying to find proof of the existence of life after death and the possibility of consciousness surviving death. But uh, yeah, it all stems from the death of my brothers. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. That's um, a story not uncommon of a lot of investigators, unfortunately. But, you know, I've, I've heard of the Paranormal Research Association in the past. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain what it is that they do. Are you guys an investigative team? I, I feel like there are a lot of people who they are familiar with that name and just aren't 100% what it is. Yeah, you know, I founded APRA in 2006, and I solely founded the organization to investigate historical locations throughout the United States to try and find and document proof of what we believe to be hauntings and to try and find logical explanations associated with hauntings. And it's uh, something, you know, I've been doing since 2006 and have been expanding uh, the research as well as the organization. And it's been, you know, a very exciting adventure. And uh, you know, I've worked with some amazing people over the years, 
One of our top scientific consultants and a good friend of mine is Dr. Harry Clore. He's the first person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously in any discipline, and he received those in physics and chemistry. So, you know, working with people like Dr. Harry Clore and other consultants from technical industries has, you know, really helped make APRA what it is today and has really, you know, kind of been the foundation and the basis, you know, for our research. That, I mean, that's phenomenal. That's a. Uh... In my personal life, dealing with uh, skeptics from family and friends is difficult. I feel like having an individual like that in your corner really makes the argument a lot, a lot stronger to negate. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. And you know, you know, one thing with um, you know the perception of the paranormal and how people perceive, you know, unexplained phenomena of this nature. There's a lot of people out there that run around that claim to be skeptics, but in reality, they're not skeptics. They're non-believers. You know, a skeptic is someone that wants to find proof or see proof of its existence. Uh, and a lot of people label themselves as skeptics, but in reality, they're non-believers. And that's because they can look at data, they can look at facts, but still have a biased opinion when it comes to that information. So working with people like Dr. Clore and you know other consultants that we work with and have worked with over the years, it's great to work with true skeptical minds that are willing to take a look at data, willing to open themselves up uh, to not only you know scrutinize the data, but to be you know, open-minded about it. So it's, uh, it's very fascinating. Could we go down the path a little bit of the non-believers versus the skeptics? Like my, my coworker who knows I'm very into this, uh, he is a 100% non-believer. You can show him photos, you can let him listen to EVPs. And he's just like, nope, there's an ex explanation for literally everything. Um, have you kind of ran into a lot of non-believers and what is your take on people like that? Yeah, you know, I've read into a lot of them. I've actually had uh, a lot of them write articles about my work over the years that, you know, will label themselves as skeptical or specifically skeptical inquirer. Um, but there's really nothing skeptical about what they're doing. What they're doing is uh, using that platform as, you know, a basis for their non-belief and to uh, get out their biased opinions about, you know, their belief system. Uh, but again, you know, a, a non-believer is someone that just will not look at information and data and try to calculate that and try to formulate their own thought process on it. But what they'll do is they'll try and skew it to fit their narrative and fit their belief system, which is something happens on the other side of the argument as well with a lot of paranormal investigators out there, which will go out to locations and use devices solely made to find quote unquote ghosts or the paranormal. And, you know, it's got two sides of the argument. But again, there's a lot of non-believers out there that label themselves as skeptical minds or skeptics. But in reality, uh, once you walk into that situation with a, a biased opinion like that, um, I think the, the term skeptic gets thrown out the window. If you had to ballpark how many investigations you've been able to do now throughout the course of your career and founding the association, what, what, what would that number look like at this point? Ooh, pushing close to 300, I would say. 300, really? Yeah, yeah. It, I've been to 49 states uh, in the country looking uh, for this phenomena. I've been looking for uh, you know documentation and, and data to support the possible existence of consciousness surviving death. And uh, so yeah, 49 states and close to 300 investigations. Well, congratulations. I wish I could say I was even at half of that. <laughs> Lights of fire under my butt, gotta do more. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm curious. I feel like the more investigations you do, for me at least, it gets harder and harder to pinpoint any, any single investigation as being by and large the most, I don't wanna say horrifying or scary, but um, the most intriguing, the most unexplainable 
and paranormal proving experience that you've had. Do you have a location that immediately jumps to mind as the best one you've ever had the pleasure of experiencing? Yeah, I would have to say the RMS Queen Mary in Long Beach. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of investigating uh, the Grand Ship for over a decade and have collected data, uh, not only visually, audibly, and as well as environmentally, uh, that I, we cannot explain. And, you know, again, working with our consultants like Dr. Clore and showing data that we've collected over the years and not having a natural explanation for that data always makes it a special place. But I'd have to say the Artemis Queen Mary is definitely on the top of that list. That, despite being only I believe four or five hours away, I am yet to get out to the Queen Mary. So I'm- You gotta do it, man, you gotta do. I, I have asked that same question to a variety of people in, in my own walks of life, and by and large, Queen Mary is top of their list, if not top five. So I don't know what I'm waiting on. I gotta, I gotta get out there. And if I'm not mistaken, you're not too far from the location yourself. No, no, I'm in Ventura, California, and uh, not far at all. And I was actually lucky enough in 2020, uh, you know, right, you know, after the pandemic started to go and do a live event uh, with Dark Zone uh, on the ship when no one was on the ship except for the crew um, and going in with the film crew and being there when it wasn't operating as a hotel and attraction was such a unique experience to be able to be on that ship, you know, almost as a ghost ship, <laughs> no pun intended, but it was unbelievable to be able to be there and uh you know experience that um you know with no one there in the operating facility so you got to get out there phenomenal place there's so many different aspects to that ship that supports the elements of a haunting you know there's so many theories out there when it comes to paranormal phenomena and what can possibly generate it or help the mechanics behind manifestations and the queen mary has a lot of those now speaking of elements of a haunting that is the title of your new book that you uh, you co-authored, if I'm not mistaken, with Mustafa. And I, I, I was curious, you know, I, I've, read, I've read a bit of it. I was curious who the intended audience of it was. Are you, are you hoping to take those non-believers and maybe sway them a bit to maybe talk some sense into skeptics with the work you've been able to do? Or is it more a, a toolkit? for those who are already immersed in the paranormal field and are looking for more efficient ways of conducting their hunts. You know, I think it's for everyone. You know, when we wrote the book initially, we didn't really have a, a target audience in mind per se. It was just more about, you know, us vocalizing and writing the work and just talking about, you know, our thesis of what we do, how we go about it, what we've collected, what's worked for us. You know, paying, uh, you know, tribute to some of the researchers going back over a hundred years really taking our ideas, our philosophies, our theories, and you know, just kind of getting that down on paper for people to take a look at and experience for themselves. So I think it's got a, a bit of everything. And I think that um, being uh, a skeptic, being a believer, being someone that's actively investigating paranormal phenomena, I think it's got a, something for everyone, for sure. And was this your, this, this was your first book or have you written more in the past? Yeah, this is the first. Uh, yeah, the first go at it. Our first book, and uh, it, it was a, a challenging thing. You know, it's something that uh, I didn't expect. You know, I've worked in media and television for many years, so to be able to uh, get into that media and that format and to write a book was very challenging, but extremely rewarding. And it was a you know amazing experience to work with Mustafa on it.
Now, I'm curious to know, because in, in being able to put down your experiences and your insights uh, into written word for the world to see, did those have those same skeptics that always kind of critiqued your work in their biased way? Did they kind of come out of the woodwork and say the same things towards the book at all? Absolutely. Yeah, there was a couple articles written about it. I didn't read them per se. I had a lot of messages about it. I uh, saw the headline and the title, uh, but didn't want to, you know, put my time and energy into reading it. But yeah, the same, you know, same outlets that have said things in the past have definitely uh, made remarks about the book and have gone as far as to write full articles about it. And that's okay. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinions. Everyone, you know, can express their views in, in, in their own way. Uh, but I just want, you know, people to know and people that have read it, you know, that we did it from a, a place of honesty and from our heart and just did it because it's something we love to do. And we just want to get our own ideas, our own expressions and our own, you know, philosophies out there. And again, it was a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. I mean, good on you guys. I, I often see people such as yourselves who just, they're, they're investigators. And then all of a sudden there's like a 250, 300 page book. And I'm just like, where do they find the time to sit down and, and write all this so good on you guys i mean truly I, I feel like if skeptics aren't putting their word out against the book th then you know it hasn't reached far enough but uh clearly it has so much so that they're seeing it and it's challenging their own belief systems but you know something that i wanted to get your take on you know for the first time in history in these most recent years, and it could have been for years back, but uh, you know, national national media, international outlets, as they typically do throughout the years, they run polls seeing where the general public sits with their own views on paranormal and supernatural phenomena. And it seems as though for the first time in history, the, the onus of responsibility for proving either one side has finally fallen off those who firmly believe in the paranormal and fallen on to those who claim it to be fake or to not exist, as the majority now say that they believe it is all an actual matter of existence, that the paranormal is out there and that their documentation exists through videos, through photos, through audio recordings. So. I guess the, the curious thing is, is where does the paranormal go from here? What are the next steps? The majority now believe. So what is the driving force? You know, with the rapid advancement of technology and, you know, you know, so many people crave knowledge these days. And I mean, knowledge is at our fingertips at any given moment now. I mean, you have all the world's knowledge at your fingertips on your smartphone at any minute, which is very exciting times to live in. Uh, but, I, you know, the next big step to really you know, push this field forward, in my opinion, is to incorporate scientific communities, uh, to incorporate uh, technical industries into our space and into our research and opening ourselves up and be willing to take criticism, be willing to adapt philosophies from the scientific community as well as other technical industries and really, you know, stepping out of the shadow of pseudoscience, uh, taking in the scientific method, understanding what's something that's a natural occurrence or something that we can't explain. If we really want to be taken seriously even further than we're at now, we really have to uh, adopt, you know, a scientific mindset and adopt the philosophies from the scientific community. And I think that's going to be the next big step. Um, you know, there's a lot of investigators out there, a lot of enthusiasts in the paranormal that, that find, you know, the scientific community or science, uh, you know, implementation into the paranormal is a big bad wolf. 
but it's actually the complete opposite. I mean, some of the most brilliant scientists in, in history and in our time uh, not only were believers in paranormal phenomena, but actively looked for it and, and actually went out seeking. So um, I think that we have to, uh, you know, again, adopt the scientific method, uh, open ourselves up to that scientific scrutiny and, and really take that next, you know, big sh that next big step. I mean, I think that's a perfect answer. You know, you, we, we've, we've won the minds of the masses. Now the powers that be have to uh, take more of a note and kind of give it that stamp of approval and official notice. No, I think that's, if that's what you were saying in a nutshell, I, I don't want to speak on your behalf there, but um, no, I think that's perfect. And, you know, something to that end, so I think a lot of current current teams, a lot of investigators such as yourselves, a lot of um, paranormal brands that are, are, are based off of their livelihood on investigations and giving the public a chance to step foot into these locations. The biggest thing that you've been seeing with them the past couple of years is really pushing the boundaries of the paranormal by making available locations that have been closed off for decades, for centuries. And we're seeing this huge push in the field for locations that nobody's ever been to, for locations that have remained riddled in rumor and lore, but for the first time we're being able to see. And is, does that have a, a strong part in pushing the future of the paranormal? Is there something in these new locations that we're not getting in the current ones? Yeah, of course. I mean, anytime you go to a new location, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless. And, you know, with paranormal investigation and actively going out to these locations, it's like reliving history in a sense, right? Where this is a, you know, an avenue and a way to get as close to history as possible. If we are dealing with what we believe to be entities, spirits, whatever you want to call them, you know, consciousness of deceased people from a different time period, um, that's as close to history as you can get. Uh, but Every new location brings new possibilities. Every new location brings out uh, hopefully new experiments, you know, ways for people to get out there and try and test theories, try to, you know, you know, create a hypothesis, test the hypothesis, try to recreate that. So, um, you know, every new location brings something new and, uh, you know, the more the merrier, I would say. But again, every new location brings something new to the table and, uh, that's what's exciting about this field is not only having the chance to possibly relive history in a sense, uh, but to learn something new. Absolutely. Now, now you seem to be very handy with tech, which is something that I, I can't say the same for myself. Have there been any new practices, any new such experiments or tools that you've been able to develop that have really helped you in your journeys? You know, personally, what I do in, in my mindset with utilizing technology within the paranormal is I want to adapt technology from other technical industries. I shy away from using devices specifically made for paranormal research. A majority of those devices are typically flawed with false positives and, you know, riddled with, um, you know, really no, you know, sound logic, really. Uh, so I try and adapt technology from other technical industries. You know, for instance, on season one and two of Andy's Ghost Hunters, as well as on the new show Mustafa and I are doing Haunted Discoveries, we have implemented uh, very sensitive scientific equipment like the EMCCD camera, the electron multiplying camera, which is a device used to record single photon events, um, typically used by NASA and scientists to try and, you know, find photons. And things like that is something... 
I bring into our research more often than not. Um, I'm always willing to test equipment, even ones that are made, you know, specifically for the paranormal. I'm open-minded when it comes to that, but I, I really think that we have to, you know, adapt technology from these other technical industries into our space if we want to find credible data and really, you know, advance the field. That's really interesting. I mean, anything anybody says about technology and like <laughs> re reverse use that you guys are doing, it just goes so far over my head, but that makes all the sense in the world. And it's kind of a, a perfect segue into what you mentioned there, the new the new show that you and Mustafa are working on, Haunted Discoveries. I mean, what, what, is, what is that about? Can you give us like a, an elevator pitch of what this series is? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, during the pandemic when Mustafa and I wrote the book, uh, we were constantly, you know, talking about theories and talking about our research on a daily basis. And one thing I've wanted to do for many years is acquire a haunted property as a research facility. There's no better way to collect data and try to test theories and replicate those theories and try to get the repeatability that you really need for scientific advancement is to own a property, monitor that property and document that property. And so, you know, the idea just came out naturally one day that uh, why don't we go out and document the process of me not only trying to acquire a said haunted property, but also speaking to owners of haunted properties, people that run businesses and haunted properties uh, work there. What's it like to live in, operate and work day in and day out in a haunted place? And that's how the show came about. So uh, the show will be eight episodes of, you know, myself, Mustafa, Kevin Ott and Malia Molino, a good friend of mine. We go out and they aid me in my search to try and find a, a paranormal research facility and to go out and talk to people that live, work and operate in said locations. I mean, do you find one? Did you? Does this? <laughs> is this like the biggest finale in paranormal TV? Brandon buys a haunted house at the end of the series. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the number of people who I think echo that sentiment of, you know, kind of the um, the pinnacle of paranormal is owning your own location for the research for kind of unabated access and being able to do investigations to the full extent that that location could offer is. Ah, an enviable, an enviable accomplishment for anybody who can get there. Is, is there a, reg a region that the show is based primarily in, or is it all yeah. over the U.S.? Yeah, no, we uh, we went specifically to Kentucky, and the reason we went to Kentucky is because, you know, again, looking at all the research Mustafa and I have done over the years, you know, speaking with our scientific consultants, uh, we were made aware that there is a very specific anomaly in Kentucky. It's actually recognized as the anomaly, not only by NASA, but other scientists out there. Not only in Kentucky, but there's only one other place in the world, in Serbia, that there is a higher gravitational pull, specifically in those two spots on Earth. And if you were to take a map and look at that higher gravitational pull in those areas, and you lay another map on top of it with ghost sightings, they correlate almost perfectly. So we specifically went to the region of Kentucky and all throughout the state to look into this anomaly and to see if there's any correlation there or maybe a possible logical explanation as to what's going on. So, uh, you know, Kentucky, you know, was the perfect spot to not only look, but explore, especially when it came to this anomaly that's been talked about for so many years. So you, you just didn't want like a a nice supply of bourbon at the ready. That's why you didn't go to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a plus side right there. You know, that's uh, one of the perks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what is the what is the theory then? And if this is an aspect of the show that you want to save for its premiere, by all means do. But I mean, what was the the thought process going in there? How does a higher gravitational pull impact paranormal occurrences? You know, that's the question. And that's why we bring on people like Dr. Harry Clore into the show, as well as Zach Hano, who's a, a, a scientist and an engineer who works for the DOD and someone who's highly respected. So, you know, we leave the heavy science to the scientists. You know, from a paranormal research standpoint, it's very interesting, especially the correlation between there being this anomaly in this, you know, exact area and then, you know, adding up the ghost sightings and, and so many incredible people over the years have had these unbelievable experiences with what they believe to be deceased humans, deceased, deceased people. So uh, again, I'll leave the, the heavy science to the scientists and let them explain that in the show. But there's definitely an interesting correlation between the human experience and having something that they believe to be paranormal and then having this, you know, geomagnetic and gravitational anomaly in that exact area. I mean, that that's extraordinarily interesting. I grew up in Southern Ohio, 40 minutes from the border with Kentucky, and this is something I've never even heard about. So I will definitely be tuning in <laughs> when, <laughs> when and where the day comes. I will definitely be there to see it. But, you know, nobody ever really thinks about that sort of area, you know, Midwest slash Rust Belt as being haunted. They ask for haunted states. They say California, Texas, Florida, New York, places like that. But I think it's like Kentucky and Ohio and some surrounding states there are all like securely in the top five, like most haunted locations, you know, most haunted places per capita in the United States. And Absolutely. Just, nobody would think it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we actually start the series in Old Louisville, which is considered by many to be America's most haunted neighborhood. I mean, you're talking a massive area in Old Louisville that has, you know, such a beautiful preserved uh, Victorian and Gilded Age set of architecture and buildings and every house in that neighborhood has a story, a, just an amazing story. So we really start our, our journey in a location that many consider to be the most haunted neighborhood in the country. And uh, it, it's a great jumping off point and starting point. And it kind of just throws us right into the fire when it comes to the anomaly, as well as uh, the set activity that people have been talking about for so many years. If an individual were to look at a globe, is it something like Kentucky and Serbia? If you stuck a pencil through the globe, they're like directly parallel to each other on exact opposite ends. Is it something weird like that? There's definitely some connections in the parallels. Uh, we get into a lot of stuff with ley lines and, and parallels and things like that. And we have some really amazing, uh, you know, experts that we bring on the show. Uh, uh, from the Penny Royal podcast, Kyle and, and Darian, who uh, run the International Paranormal Research Museum out there in Somerset, but also do the Penny Royal podcast, who they've been looking into this for many, many years. And those are the guys to talk to. And we actually not only speak to them, speak to them about that exact topic, but we actually bring them into an investigation and uh, test some of their theories they've been working on for many years. And then we kind of combine their theories and ours into one giant experiment. We have amazing results that no one's ever seen. And I don't think it's ever really been tried in this space before. And uh, I cannot wait for people to see it. Don't want to give too much away, but um, you know, there's a lot of correlations and a lot of connections. Uh, and it's, it's actually very fascinating and very exciting. And that, that sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, all the, all the research aside, if it ends with anything less than you getting your own haunted house, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> That's really what I'm looking for <laughs> at this point. 
it's really amazing to see that you have such a specific focus in the paranormal on advancing the field through increasing the degree of credibility uh, both of the evidence and the individuals involved in it and that you're able to translate that with this show so seamlessly i mean you, you've been involved with network television before it it is so quickly mucked up from the original concept to what gets put on screen and it's really nice to see that what you intended is going to be what comes across it sounds like because that is going to be important in pushing things forward and turning skeptics to believers and at least potentially making non-believers start to question things yeah you know i was i'm very lucky to have the opportunity to work with stargazer films stargazer television and uh, myself and mustafa our production company ang creative partnered with them and i was very lucky for them to allow me to not only direct produce and edit this show but to really put my vision and you know our research into the spotlight and not really have a narrative that's kind of looming over what we're trying to do so i'm very thankful for that and it's you know it's been a great experience uh, you're also a filmmaker, so how does that influence your investigating? How did that influence this TV show? And how do you think that made this experience all that much better, producing, editing your your show? Well, you know, there's no better way to document uh, a paranormal investigation than to, you know, film it from a documentary filmmaking standpoint, right? Um, you're not only showing the entire process of how you go about the research, but you're giving people a peek into the process and into a, you know, a peek into how a paranormal investigation is actually conducted. And what's amazing is when you have a crew available and ready to work with you, you know, from a documentary or a t television docuseries standpoint, you have more people there to aid within the investigation, not only from having the ability to use all the equipment, run everything on a time code, really know what's happening at every single moment of the investigation and of, you know, looking into said paranormal phenomena. Uh, but you have more people there that are engaged, willing to work within it and be part of the process. And to me, that's very exciting. And you have people that are very passionate about the work and very passionate about what's happening. And it just amplifies and, you know, magnifies the process to a degree you really can't do any other way. I'm a guy who's really hit or miss with paranormal shows, and I got to say, I haven't been as excited for a series as the one that you've just described in a long while. So awesome, I, I trust the audience will share that, hopefully, uh, largely when they hear about it here as well. So Haunted Discoveries just wrapped the filming, eight episodes, so we're in the edit now. I'm actually here in the edit bay currently, uh, but we will be airing or streaming sometime in fall. And, uh, you know, we're very excited as soon as we have the green light to talk about when and where and how you can view it. We'll, we'll be sharing that information all across social media and, and uh, my personal website. So we're very excited for everyone to see it. But uh, expect it in fall and expect, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air when it comes to the paranormal genre. Uh, assuming that haunted discoveries and outside efforts on your end and um, similar efforts by investigators around the country continue and that heightened level of credibility is brought to is brought to the field for the public to see do you picture the online broadcast space as expanding for the paranormal because I, I know right now it's sort of just like travel channel is home to paranormal history channel and a and e they dabble in it here and there discovery plus of course and now the streaming home for all of it do you ever see other networks kind of getting in on 
the hunt with these investigators, no pun intended, and airing such content on their platforms as it becomes more of an established, provable phenomenon? I do. Yeah, I really do. I think that, you know, with the expansion and, you know, people's minds, you know, expanding to the possibilities of, you know, paranormal phenomena being real and, you know, the possibility of life after death being, you know, a viable space to actually look at. I think that there will be more networks and more uh, entertainment avenues that are going to look into that type of content. Absolutely. Again, Brandon, thank you for uh, sitting down with us here. I know saturday morning i know you got it you got a kid you got a wife and there's better things you can be doing probably but this is a really valuable insight to share with uh listeners and with josh and myself as paranormal enthusiasts ourselves so i really uh, appreciate you taking the time Be sure to check out this week's show notes to find links to the Haunted Historian's Instagram and Facebook channels, where you can follow along with our team to see the latest locations we've been tracking and where we plan on venturing to next. And be sure to tune in next week for our latest episode. The Haunted Historian podcast is written by Connor Gossel and produced by Josh Hughes, with original scoring created by Tyler Quinn.